Welcome back to another episode of the Broncos Avenue Podcast. I'm your host, Amir Farrow, with my co-host, J-Mac and Jordan Lopez. Going over the Denver Broncos' Week 7 win over the Green Bay Packers. They improved to 2-5 record on the season. Um, lots to talk about in today's episode. Our biggest takeaways, um, obviously everything that we learned from the team today. Not the you know best start to the season, obviously, season playoff hopes are long gone, but we're going to obviously always give our uh, you know takes on you know where the Broncos are standing, especially after a last minute win over the uh, the Packers. But uh, with that being said, Jay McJordan, how are you guys doing? Doing good. Um, I mean, we won, so you know I was kind of hoping that we lost this one, um, but I mean it is what it is. We got the win, and I'm just ready to talk about it. Feels good to win. Feels good to win. Um, so yeah, let's go ahead and start jumping to these uh, takeaways. Uh, so some of the bigger players that showed up today, I would say uh, we're, today we're going to start off with the good. I mean, I want to just give a shout out, personal shout out to uh, some defensive backs on the team, starting off with Fabian Moreau, who gets the, the nod over Damari Mathis in this one at right cornerback, uh, you know, separate from uh, Pastor Tan. Um, I thought he played really, really well. Uh, was, you know, good on the ball, you know, sticky coverage, um, just all around like seatbelt coverage the entire game. Um, I don't think I really saw any big plays, uh, you know, in, in uh, you know, his 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 vicinity and on his island, I guess you could say. Um, so I would I would like to give a shout out to him, uh, PJ Locke, our guy, the one and only. Uh, he gets the game ceiling interception. Had him on the show earlier this year. I was so happy for him because obviously we talking about how like you know J Mac brought up how we should just lose lose every damn game from here on out. But if anybody was gonna win us a game, I'm so glad it was PJ. Yeah. Like that's so that's so dope to see. But uh, where are you guys' takes on those two players? Oh, man, well, Fabian Moreau stepped up, and, you know, it kind of sucks that it took uh, how many games, seven games for Demari Mathis to get benched, but, hey, man, at this point, I'll take it. Uh, Fabian Moreau had some great plays today in coverage. I mean, I was actually shocked because when he come, when he came in, you know, you kind of see him struggling a little bit, like, early on when we just kind of threw him in the fire a little bit, and he played really good today. P.J. Locke stepped up when Kareem got ejected, which, to me, that ejection, we'll talk about that later, but, I mean, P.J. Locke came up. Uh, I don't know what Jordan Love saw on that play, but I'm glad PJ was ran over there and made that good play. But one player I think you might have left out. I think he had a really good game despite that complete and utter bull like of a touchdown. Uh, Jaquan McMillan had a good game today. I like that. I, I, to me, I like the whole DB unit that we ran out today. It was kind. It looked like Everett's defense a little bit. You saw a lot of you know a lot of DBs out there, and they they all play really good today. Yeah, I mean, I was being told, you know, the whole week that these players, you know, were not going to try and that we were going to tank. But funny how that worked. But I'm so, I'm glad that these guys actually played good and played hard. So, I mean, again, Jaquan McMillan was also another one that I thought played really well. Fabian Moreau played well. P.J. Locke having that interception was really nice. So uh, I'm happy for these guys because, you know, I thought we were tanking, but I don't know. And P- yeah. PS2. PS2 got completely robbed of an interception. And the whole thing with like tanking is like, I, I, if there is actually people out there that believe players are tanking, I don't know how else I could put it for you. I mean, players don't tank. That's not how tanking works. Um, yeah, I, you just don't watch football, I guess, if you, if you think that's how it works. it's And honestly, we talked a lot about, like, Sean Payton tanking, but I think at the end of the day, the Broncos are so bad that they lost all those five games. I, I just – I really think that's what it came down to. Yeah. Sean Payton, I think in the back of his head, he knows that he wants to, like, get Caleb Williams, but I don't know if we can really, say, like, truly say that 
you know, Sean Payne is going out of his way to make sure the Broncos lose games because you see him getting like on the sideline, like super like mad yeah. advanced shows of ripping into him. Is that a sign of like a coach that's like wanting to tank and lose games? Like I'm in the back of his head. He, I know he wants Caleb Williams or Drake May, but like I just don't know if I could really say or say that he absolutely, you know, is doing whatever he can to lose these games. I think it's more just the Broncos are a bad team. And honestly, if you're a Packers fan today, my God, you're. Your whole season is gone. It's uh, you have no hopes. Um, I, Jordan, Jordan Love is not your franchise quarterback. Uh, your defense is absolutely overrated. Um, I know it's a very depleted secondary, but um, yeah, you guys uh, nineteen to seventeen against the freaking Broncos. Goddamn! But uh, other other uh, key um, takeaways from the good, I guess, from today's game. Javante Williams, fifteen carries, eighty-two yards, over five yards a carry. Another week in a row. Uh, J-Mac, that run game's looking pretty good, like I told you uh, last week. But, hey, we actually gave Javante 15 carries, and look what he does with it. It's more, it's almost like we should run the ball more, but uh, I digress. I mean, yeah, no, nah, it, it was a really good game from him. I, I started him in fantasy this week, and, you know, he kind of did his thing just a little bit. Um, I mean, but this was part of the game plan that we talked about in the preview about, you know, we feel like the Broncos are running football. The Packers are one of yeah. the worst, probably the worst run defense, uh, defensive team in the league. Um, I, I heard they say during the game that no team that like teams run the ball the most against the Packers in the league. Like, I yeah. think they, yeah. So I wasn't surprised that we ran the ball out today. I think him and Jaleel both did their job. I seen Russ get out there for a play. I mean, I, the run game looked good today, but I mean, you can't lie throughout the whole besides this game, it, it hasn't looked how we thought it was going to look coming to the season. But today, it looked really good, man. J- Javante looked like he got his legs under him. You can see the speed, but. Yeah. I hate that so. I hate that you're putting that on the, these guys, bro. I no, 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 no. I'm, I'm, I'm not putting that on Javante. Why, why, the run game isn't work? Hasn't been working. I'm not putting that completely on him. No. I don't think any of it goes on him, but yeah, no, 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 no. That's not what I'm doing. I mean, I, I thought the run game has been fairly decent this year. I mean, it's just times that we don't give him the ball when we were supposed to, but. Again, I thought Champagne did a, a better job play calling wise. Uh, there's a little miscues here and there, but I think that's more on player execution than play calling. Uh, I know he falls in love with those halfback screens, but again, sometimes, you know, it looks like we're just going to get at least five <laughs> per game. Uh, it's a fullback again, dive, too. Yeah, again, but I mean, when you have Julian McLaughlin getting a halfback screen, you never know what's actually going to happen. So it's not like it's going to go anywhere. So, or nowhere, I should say, but. I like Javante ran hard, broke a lot of tackles. Uh, he, look, he looks really good. Really, really good. Yeah, if he if he runs one more damn fullback screen, I might or not screen, but fullback dive, I might actually lose my mind. Like, bro, okay, we get it. You like Mike Burton. He played with you in New Orleans. He's a dog, but damn, they they sniff it out every time. Like, we it, we ran it like once successfully against the Raiders in the season opener, and ever yeah. since then, he just loves giving the ball to Mike Burton. I mean, he, Mike Burns got to be doing something behind the scenes. I don't even know, man. But wow. Uh, <laughs> uh, so you talked about Jill McLaughlin. He had a he had a good game. Obviously, not a lot of touches, but he did the best what he could with those touches. Um, I think he only touched the ball like seven times, something like that. And um, yeah, he averaging over six seven yards a carry. I mean, really good running back uh, duo, obviously between those two. Um, Besides that, uh, you know, Sutton got his uh, his trade value boosted. Um, I hate to say it like this, but I'm hoping he gets traded uh, this this upcoming week. And I'm not saying that for anything personally to Sutton. I just think we need to start gathering picks. I, I'm going to be honest. Like a lot of people that are actually taking this as a plus and saying that, oh, man, the season might actually still have hopes. Oh, my no, God. it doesn't. 
We still need to ship off these guys that we just boosted their trade value for. Try to six catches, 76 yards, touchdown for Sutton. He was like wide open, but still, hopefully, by the grace of God, that raised his draft capital just a little bit higher, his draft value just a little bit higher. Um, I'm I'm looking in any way possible to still get rid of Bowles, Sutton, um, and Josie Jewell. Uh, even some other defensive players and other players as well. It's any any draft capital, even fourth rounders, fifth rounders. I'm still looking to you know do this rebuild. Um, I know Diana Rossini came out with an um, article recently that the Broncos are not looking to go into a fire sale. If anything, that gave me like a shade of like what it's like the week before the draft where you just see constant smoke screens and everything. I'm not trying to say these are smoke screens by an NFL insider. I'm, I'm just like kind of smelling cap a little bit. I don't know if I'm necessarily believing that they're not about to go into a fire sale. I do believe that this is not going to be as severe as we initially thought. I think it's just going to be like max, like four, five, maybe five players, but I don't think it's going to be more than five players in all those players that got listed the other day. I don't think you're going to see all of them get traded, but I'm um, very interesting that Diane in the timing of all that. It's very interesting that Diane Rossini came out with that because she's one of the more, you know, um, reliable in the business. So. Yeah, I mean, Corlin Sutton had a good game today, and I knew immediately when I saw him them feeding feeding him the ball early. I said, "Yeah, they're 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 trying to boost his value a little bit." Um, it's just very confusing to me. Like, it's like you know, you see them able to give him the ball now, and you know, it's kind of like, well, where the hell was this during the season? Like, if you're gonna do it, just boost his trade value. Like, where the hell was this giving him and Judy? Like, I think Judy caught four balls today. That, Five. Five. I mean, that, that's got to be a season record, or like, like I'm Real talking about this season. Yeah, season high. I mean, well, shit. I mean, if you're gonna do that, I mean, the Broncos have been trying to trade these guys the whole season. That that was the case, but I mean, uh, sudden. I think he's gonna get traded. I, I I don't. I'm still on the thing where I don't know exactly we're gonna trade Judy now. I think if there's anyone that can get traded, I think it's gonna be sudden. I think you could see Judy still on his team, but I'm on the same page with Amir. I think a lot of these guys. The Broncos need to have a fire sale. I don't know entirely too much about what people are reporting, but I think a team's one and five and they're to a two and five and they're not supposed to be two and five and they have a really good head coach. Those teams go into fire sales. That's just how the NFL works. They give up their good players. But that report that said the Broncos are listening to offers to any any player on the defense side of the ball, I don't believe that shit at all. Like there's no way that they listen to offers past their 10. I just don't flat out believe that shit whatsoever. And people that reported that. And then put put Patrick Sertan's picture on that report to make it seem like, well, the Broncos get drafted. Shut, please stop. Like, Jesus Christ. But yeah, I'm I'm on the board for a fire. So I think Corlin Sutton will get traded. It's gonna be sad to see him go, but hey, man, it is what it is. He can go ball out somewhere else. Um, just get picks at this point because, yeah, let's get picks. I won't talk in terms of like trade value for those guys. I was just talking about how you know I thought some balled out today. And then, uh, obviously, when uh, they gave Judy the ball, he was actually pretty good. Uh, Marvin Mims, I don't know what was wrong with his snap count today. Besides that one end around that he tried to do again with him, uh, just making him – I don't want to say making him look bad, but, I mean, we could use him in different ways, just not an end around. Um, but, again, I thought, you know, when we can actually give our receivers the ball when they're open, they're, you know, they're pretty good. That's their job. So, uh, again – uh, I, I like those two guys today. Uh, obviously, I picked them as my uh, co-offensive player of the games, not just because of the box score, but just because of what they're going to do, and they played out just how I thought it would. 
one target today for Marvin Mims Jr. One target. Yeah, I think uh, I think they went into this game with a plan of hopefully hopefully force feeding Judy and Sutton. And while it still doesn't look like that on the stat sheet, they really should have you know fed them even more. Um, they were they were you know really playing the run game and trying to win this football game at the same time while also simultaneously trying to um, you know boost the trade value of the, the receivers. We don't know if I, I'm still like on the fence. I really have no idea if they're going to trade Judy or not. Like I people ask me all the time. I have no idea Sutton I would think if I'm the GM I'm looking anyway I, I can get off that Sutton uh you know deal and you know get younger uh, you know at that spot but I don't know it's just like I can't really even read the mind of this front office at this point I really don't know who they're more inclined to trade um it's really it's really really hard to tell because you see this report saying oh yeah the Broncos uh, have you know this offer for Sutton or then you see a lot of you know reports and insiders talking about Jerry Judy, Jerry Judy, you're literally all I'm seeing is Ian Rappaport, Adam Schefter talk about Jerry Judy to this team or that team. Or, and at the end of the day, it might just be flip flop. They might deal with Cortland Sun tomorrow morning. Who knows? Like, I, and I want to ask you guys next do you guys think, and I hate to be, you know, talking negative. Um, we'll, you know, talk about a little bit, a few more bright spots in the game. But one of my questions for you guys is do you think that like the fire sale is going to start like this week or do you think it's going to be like after the Chiefs game? I think it has to start this week a little bit. I mean, yeah, I think I think you got to get the ball rolling while you can. I don't think it's going to be like a, a day where you just see everybody gets traded, like in one, two days. I think it's going to be players at a time. I think to start off, though, it's going to be a player like Sutton. I know there's – I don't really know who's going to be dealt first, but I feel like you kind of have to start this week. I think this is where trades going to see guys start to get heated up, like talks get heated up around the league. After Monday, you're going to see a lot, or maybe even Monday morning, you're going to see a lot of things heating up. Teams are going to start making calls on who's available. You're going to see deals start to get made. And I, But I definitely feel like this week, because if you wait, I mean, what's the point of waiting? Like, And then you got two days to trade. You want to get off five contracts, five players, and you got two days to trade five players. Right then you're going to see Broncos get fleeced and get six, seven-round picks. Like, But I, I think definitely it's going to start like this week. In my opinion, I don't think it starts this week. I think it's going to come after the Chiefs game. I think depending on that result, I think that's when uh, they start uh, doing what they have to do. I do think they have a plan. I do think some of the stuff that have, have been coming out are somewhat true, just my opinion. But, again, I think they're going to wait for after that Chiefs game and see what happens in that game, and then they'll make their uh, corresponding moves. Interesting. I, I agree with you, Jordan. I think it'll happen after the Chiefs game. But um, what makes you think that it'll be like based off of the result of that Chiefs game? Like how if they win and like how big of a win will it have to be for you to like believe that they'll actually start keeping some of these guys? I just from the standpoint of I do not. I mean, and it's a perfect representation of what we saw today on CBS. Uh, Champagne absolutely giving it to Vance Joseph on the sidelines multiple times. Champagne does not want to lose, and yeah. he understands that people like Sutton and Judy and Jewel and whoever else you want to put on the trade block, that they are valuable. And again, if we do break the streak against the Chiefs next week, I'm not saying that we're going to keep everyone, but I think you can see a few people that might have gotten traded would stay, and then you can do your moves after the season, depending on what happens. But again, the front office, Champagne, I, they don't want to tank. That's not the players do not want to tank. If they if they make it two in a row against the Chiefs, they feel like they have momentum going into the bye. This is not a thing that oh let's lose because let's get Caleb Williams who can't beat Utah 
ever or uh, Drake May or whatever. Like these guys want to win. They want to win. And if they beat the Chiefs and beat that streak, that's a momentum boost. And Sean Payne starts gaining confidence and all that. That's it. Again, people want them to lose, especially since the Bears won today and the Patriots won. It looked like, oh, my God, we're going to get the first overall pick. But no, these guys, <laughs> this is bigger than tanking. This is football. This is their life. This is their job. So that, that's just my standpoint from it. And that whole tanking thing just doesn't sit with me right. The front office definitely doesn't want to tank because they're all their jobs are on the line. So the more games yeah. they win, the longer <laughs> they stay. That's for sure. It's Sean Payton, really. It's in his hands. Like it. Yeah. And I don't think he wants to really hurt his resume. But at the end of the day, I do like slightly believe uh, like into the little bit of the philosophy that J Mac does bring in terms of like him knowing what a franchise quarterback would bring to this organization. And I just don't think he's in it for the long haul with this roster, if I'm being honest. Like, I don't think he looks at this roster and says, yeah, we're a deep playoff team. Yeah, to answer your question, I don't think there's a chance. I mean, if we do beat the Chiefs, I feel like if we just beat the Chiefs, I feel like that's enough momentum boost to keep guys on the roster until the offseason. Um, but you have to look at our schedule. I mean, our next four games are the Chiefs, Bills, Vikings, Browns. And then if you want to say after the Chiefs game, you got the Texans in Houston. Like, those are games that we can just flat out lose. Like, those aren't just the most winnable. I mean, we're going to Buffalo. We got Minnesota at home. I mean, you can maybe win that game. Those the Browns, the Browns is we're not beating Cleveland, and then you got Houston. So I mean, yeah, if you go into the bye, like you know, if you go to a bye, maybe hot, like if you somehow beat the Chiefs, I could see them maybe not trading certain players. But my opinion, regardless, I think if even if you beat the Chiefs, you have to be realistic and look at the outlook of your season. Like you have to, yeah, if you feel like yeah, well, we just beat the Chiefs, so why you know why can't we beat the Bills? Like, you have to be realistic here. Like, the odds of you going on a magical run and somehow just winning a certain amount of games, like, what is that going to do for us if we win six, seven games and we get the 17th pick or the 20th pick? Like, whatever pick we get, that's not going to – like, I don't feel like it's going to be beneficial to this team going into next season at all. I feel like we're going to have some of the same problems that we're facing. And I, me personally, I just think you just got to – you got to start this fire sale now or at least get the ball. Like I said, get the ball rolling, talk to some teams. And regardless how the Chiefs game go, I think you got to stick with that plan. I don't care if we beat the Chiefs. Like, I don't care if we go at home, we beat them 21 to 20. I don't care how it goes. I just don't think – I don't think holding – like keeping these guys on the roster for hope that we could maybe make a run is realistic at, at all. Well. I guess it's realistic to say that a Bills team who's quite overrated this season, who almost lost to the Giants at home and lost to the Patriots this week, I guess that's not a realistic game that we can compete in. And I guess the Browns, who technically should have lost to the Colts today, uh, with Gardner Minshew, by the way, as the quarterback, I guess that's not a realistic game to win either. I mean, the I can tell you for a short thing, Sean Payne is for sure not thinking about that, yeah, especially with – Especially with how those teams are playing right now. Um, yeah, I understand the Bills are good. They have Josh Allen. I understand that the Browns have a really good defense. But every team is vulnerable, and every team is, has a chance to get beaten. So I'm just saying, that's if we beat the Chiefs, I'm just telling you, that's not a logical thing to, oh, the, our, our next few games are not winnable. That's, that's for sure. I don't think Sean no, I agree with you. Like, like I think I think Sean Payton, you win that game. I think he's not going to be thinking like what I just said. I'm just saying you got to be realistic. And the odds of us being able to beat a team like the Bills, 
Like, I don't believe our offense can score enough points. Like, I ain't gonna, I won't say score enough points, but be able to. I think it's gonna be, you're gonna see games like how we played the Chiefs the first time. I think it's gonna be one of those games where the defense is gonna play good enough, but the offense just won't get it done. I mean, I'm just saying, I think I'm being realistic. I don't think we can beat Buffalo, despite how, yeah, they lost to New England. They almost lost to the Giants. They almost lost to the Jets in week one. Like, the Browns, I know I know what the Browns are, but the Browns' defense is still, to me, really good. Yeah. And I just don't think this offense can score against a really good defense. I, that's just me. I don't think a really good defense is offense can put enough points to win a game. I just think that's, that, that's just my opinion. You saw it against the Jets. I, I just – I don't think so, man. That's just me. I – I, I said it in our last episode, and maybe not everybody agreed with me, but I feel like, and I still stand by this strongly, I feel like those first four games of the season were low-key kind of like a fluke by the offense. Like, I I genuinely think, and I'm more on the train where it's like, it's basic logic. If you're, let's say you're, you're playing a basketball game and you're going up against some really trash players, yeah, you're going to have a much better chance of showing out, pan your stats, looking much better. But when all the, you know, the, the big-time guy, you got the AAU basketball players stepping on the court, then you all of a sudden you're not looking so great in front of everybody. I think that's how the Broncos look against the Jets and then the Chiefs, especially on primetime. And then this week you have a very, very, very depleted Packers secondary and a very, very bad Packers run defense. Oh, all of a sudden the offense looks at least above average now, and it's still not able to look great. And honestly, when I'm looking at the schedule, the last winnable game I've seen for this whole season was today and then the Patriots way down the road. Like I, I, I even said I it like a, a few weeks ago. We, yeah, we could be the Chargers. My, my record prediction for the rest of the season is probably like, at the most four and thirteen. I don't see us winning five games this year. Yeah, I like agree. that's I'm on. That's where I'm honestly sitting. And, and today, I mean, we be honest. I don't even think the off the offense did okay today. I don't. I'm not going to sit here and say that the offense had a great game. We exactly. showed once again that we can't score. We we can't punch it in. Like even though we had a touchdown with Javante in the first quarter, Quinn Bailey comes in and gets a holding call, brings it back. And you just see the offense kind of struggle. Once they get down close to scoring range, they just can't punch it in. And, I mean, if you want – if you, like, for you to have faith that you could beat Buffalo, like, in Cleveland and Casey and the Lions down the road, like, you're going to have to punch it in. Like, you can't beat them off field goals and pray that Justin Simmons and Pat can get stops or that that the defense can continue to get stops against really good offenses because the defense is going to cave in eventually. Like, we played the Green Bay today, and they got lucky off a touchdown. But, I mean, what's going to happen if we play, like, if we play Buffalo and Josh Allen and them just have that game where they're clicking? And, like, Buffalo can still have a bad game and put up 25 points or 24 points. That That's still classified as an off night for them. Like, Denver, Denver scoring 24 is, like, crazy at this point. To me, it is. Like we got to really go all out for us to put up twenty, like tw- over twenty-one points a game. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what to to say about that. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm literally speechless on that. It's I have nothing to say. No, I do appreciate you bringing like optimism on the show because I don't want it to just be like a three-way, like just completely dogging on the Broncos. Like I want, and I I do see your your perspective absolutely. I do too. Like if, I do too. and especially if you beat the Chiefs, like yeah, shit. As me as a fan, I actually have a little bit of hope. But I just think you gotta like be real, like real with your with your franchise and your roster, Ooh. where just like rip rip off the bandaid now. Stop like trying to peel off the bandaid and not completely tear it off and just you know sit there watching a wound and just put it putting it back together for the you know the next i don't know how many years is rip it off now and accept what it's inevitable i mean i won't say inevitable but you know 
I, I just feel like that's uh, that's where this team should be headed. And honestly, um, I love that the Broncos won today. Like I said, I'm so happy that P.J. Locke got his, his first career interception in a game that he maybe didn't even know he was going to play a single snap in. He comes in and gets the game-winning interception. But 19-17 to 17 over the Packers, I'm, I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not moved by it. I'm not moved yeah, by I it was, at all. I, I wasn't either, man. I wasn't. Um, so we talked about red zone offense, uh, talking about, you know, the reasons or, you know, the, the bad, I guess you could say from today's game, red zone offense for the Broncos is horrendous today to say the least. Um, should have put up a lot more points on the board. Thanks to Will Lutz, uh, that insane 52 yard field goal. Shout out to big nuts. Lutz. Uh, he had a four or four uh, day, really, really good day for the Broncos. Yes. I'm going to be using that nickname frequently on this pod as it continues to ball out. Um, you know, they, they always talk about, you know, Greg, the leg, Greg, the leg gets a cool ass nickname. So big nuts. Let's will get a, will get a cool nickname as well. But, um, I thought he was definitely a big plus from today's game. Um, I'll had, I'll definitely have to bite the bullet on, you know, saying that, um, we didn't make the, you know, necessarily the right trade, um, for him. He's definitely looking at, I can see him definitely being our franchise kicker for the same amount of time that, uh, Brandon McManus is here. So. Um, yeah, you know, I got to bring this up, right? What is it? Oh my God, man! So you remember how you said that we, that you thought we should have kept Brett Maher? Did you see Brett Maher today? Was he was he bad? He missed like at, I I know from what I saw he missed three kicks today. He cost him the game. He missed Bro. I think he missed two extra points. I know I, I think it's one extra point and like two field goals. No, he cost him this game for sure. He did. Yikes! And he was There's, money before this game too. Yeah, it's no way. Nah, but anyway, um. Yeah, another thing with the red zone is just the penalties. Just our drives, our drives in general. A lot of a lot of times they get killed because of penalties. Uh, McGlinchey just it's like every game you are needed. He's gonna get a holding call at least holding whether it's false start. I mean, it just it just seems like I, I said it all year. Denver just beats themselves. Like it's still undisciplined football. That's another reason why I think you just you have to be realistic down the line. Like you think. Like, this offense can just not get penalties. Because to beat a team like KC and Buffalo, you got to be pretty flawless. Like, you can't really mess up. I don't just see that in this team. It's just a reoccurring thing. Down the red zone, I feel like Sean be trying. I I feel like Sean tries everything. And we just can't can't punch it in. Like, I I think that's just really what it is. We get down there, a run gets stuffed. And once the run gets stuffed, it's like we don't know what to do. Russ can't find anybody. We're throwing the ball in the back of the end zone. You, I just seen it multiple times. They rush us throwing the ball back in the end zone, back in the end zone, back in the end zone, running for his life, nowhere to go. I don't really, I don't know how you can improve that. I, I just, I don't, because at this point, you, it's we're going into week eight next week, and you still really haven't figured out the red zone offense, and you just, it's still the same penalties in undisciplined football. So I don't really know how you can fix it at this point. So like you have to just keep doing what you were doing. I don't know. Uh, I, I will put some of it on champagne. Uh, there is more ways to punch it in. There, there's a lot more ways. He just, I don't know if he doesn't want to use, I don't know. Uh, there, there's multiple ways to do it. You have some playmakers on the team to do it. You just got to figure out a way how to do it. And if you're running the ball is not being uh, effective in the red zone, you have four to five wide receivers right there on your sideline that you can get the ball to. And stuff, and even a tight end on a little, you know, PA uh, boot stuff. I, I mean, just I don't know. Like, I don't know. The red zone has been so bad for everyone this year that it's just been such it really a copycat. Has. It's been such a copycat league. So everyone's just doing the same thing. I mean, Payne just has to get a little bit more innovative, like how McDaniel's doing down in Miami, and just 
start doing stuff that no no other defense I've seen. Right? Even if it look not end arounds and stuff like that, but like just innovative stuff with motions and stuff like that to get get people moving, get get our playmakers the ball. And again, if Nagichi's gonna get a false start every single time we're in the red zone, then you got to do something about that as well. <laughs> I I will say with like Sean Payton, obviously he is by far the the number one option in our head coach search this previous offseason. Um, the one little thing that I will like give him a knock for, and it's like not too much just on him, but like. I, you know, when I watch like a Ben Johnson, you know, today they got steamrolled by the Ravens, but um, we'll exclude that. Uh, when I watch a Ben Johnson, when I watch a Kyle Shanahan, when I watch a Sean McVay and Mike McDaniel, their offenses are so damn creative and innovative. The way they design their plays, it's just like it's art. It's literally art. And I, I don't see that with the Broncos offense. Now it could be we, we did receive some reports like earlier this season that um, with their whole wristband thing with Russ and just dumbing. Apparently, they were uh, Sean had to like dumb down the offense for Russ. I don't know if that's like limiting plays that Russ can, you know, uh, pull out of, you know, his bag or anything. I honestly think that might be playing into it. Maybe there is a whole new like, you know, other half of the playbook that we just haven't released yet or unleashed yet on the field simply because the offense hasn't even been able to perfect the first half of it. And, you know, granted, it is a brand new offense and a lot of these guys are still having to, you know, learn it as, you know, they go through the motions and the experience during the season. But um, there is a little bit of a lack of creativity that I do, you know, have to say I get jealous of seeing all these other teams run much more, you know, modern and innovative, you know, offensive, you know, play designs that worked perfection and just make life hell for defenses. I when I just don't see that, you know, with the Broncos and I'm not too sure if it's always just a player thing cuz we have great route runners, but sometimes I just feel like there is a little bit of lack of creativity especially in the red zone like Jordan mentioned. Yeah, and it's really just the offenses look basic in the red zone. Like it's it's kind of predictable like like Sean like it's you kind of hit on the money. Like it's just not creative, it's nothing innovative. I don't know about how true it is how they're dumbing it down in the playbook. I mean, I just think it's Sean has to kind of catch up in that part. Like, and that's what I'm saying. I don't know what else you can do this season, but Sean's going to have to catch up with the rest of the league because the, the plays that's getting called in the red zone, it's just not working. Like it's just like guys aren't getting open. It's no, like, I, and plus I don't, I don't, I don't see any rush in the red zone. Like anytime we call a play, I don't see guys like anytime you see a team, most teams really get down to the red zone. They're energetic. They're, they want to punch it in. I don't see that in, yeah. like with this team. It's just, all right, second and goal. Come on, let's line up in the shotgun. Like, it's nothing energetic about it. Like, I don't – and I'm, I'm not saying that's just, like, strictly on Sean. It's just – I don't know, man. The the red zone, it's just it, – it's it's been like that for the last two years. We just have trouble punching it in. And if we do punch it in early, penalties. Like, I don't know, man. I'm, 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 I'm just at loss of words, honestly, about this team. I'm just – this is just not the season that I wanted going into it at all by any means. It's crazy. Well, if there is one person to fix it, it's champagne. So exactly. That's we're very lucky to have him. I will say that. I'm 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 glad we at least got Sean Payton because if we didn't have Sean Payton right now, imagine imagine we like threw a rookie head coach into this mess. Oh my, my god. My god. And those like, those not- rookie head coaches don't even like understand the whole you know front office type personnel role where like it's you know high, you know. GM slash head coach like Sean Payton has that that mindset and you know knowledge you know from a front office standpoint so you know operate a roster operate a front office and you know help with the draft and everything whereas a rookie head coach he he probably would have quit before they fired him <laughs> like this is a disaster 
to disaster. But I'm just glad we got Sean. I'm honestly, I don't even know why he chose us. <laughs> probably the yeah, bag. I, I don't. I, I don't know. I, I was like, I would. I probably would have waited because the Chargers are definitely gonna fire Brandon Staley. I'm like, I probably you probably would wait another year. Go try with it with Justin Herbert to see what you can do. Cause uh, my my God, I don't. I don't know. I don't know, man. This this is this is just rough. Like in watching watching the game today, it's really like like we're winning, and I'm like, I just keep seeing Broncos fans. Well, I don't know what to do with Russ. Like, is Russ that guy? Like, I'm just like, regardless if Russ plays good or not, I just feel like it's it's time. Like, exactly. There were some throws today where like he he. So a lot of people are getting on a Javante for the drop, dude. That was the lowest throw I've seen in my life. And dude, I'm not gonna lie, Russ. I think who called it a drop. Bro, I seen bro. I went on Twitter and said Russ is washed after that, and people started immediately, you know, saying Javante dr- dropped it and stuff. No, wild, no, no, bro. No, no, no. no, that was a terrible throw. Like I'm watching the ball leave his hand. It's like it's like he can't grip the football right or something. It's like it 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 kind of slipped out his hand a little bit. I'm like, dude, what? Like you you made this throw 500 times. Like I don't know. And even just going back to just, I don't know, man. It's just I don't know what it would have happened. Like. Just especially the last, like the like like you said, it was a fluke. I mean, the Broncos had the easiest part of their schedule. We knew going into the season was the first half of it. We went one and five through that. Well, two and five through that stretch of like the easier part of our schedule. And Russ looked good through the first part of it. Now we're getting to the back end of the schedule, and this is just like it's almost like it's a whole different quarterback. Like honestly, it is. It's like it's a whole different like player. Like it's like it's a whole different guy. And he just he isn't going like I said. I think on the last episode, he's not going through the same reads. He's not – I think he's second-guessing himself or something. Like, you brought it up. It might be a confidence issue or what it is. But I, I'm just at this point, like, if they're saying he lost the locker room and guys don't have his back, which I don't know how true it is, but I feel like at this point, you just – you, you got to start fresh. I know a few weeks ago I said I think the Broncos kind of need to just reload. but Or, I'm sorry, not reload, like retool. I don't think you can do that with Russ anymore. I just feel like he's lost. I feel like everybody's lost confidence in him at this point. And it, it and I'm not saying it's all his fault because it's not all his fault. I mean, when you have Nathaniel exactly. Hackett in your first year, that could play a big, like a big part of it. Like that could play a big part of like in the, everything that happened last year has a big part of what's why Russ is playing like he is now. But I feel like it's it's a lot of lost confidence on his part, and I feel like you can't really you can't really do too much with that moving forward. That's the way. Yeah, I it's think. almost it's like it's like a guaranteed thing that Russ is not going to be on the roster by I think the fifth day of the next calendar year for football. So it's like a guaranteed thing. So going forward, this will be Russ's last season, uh, just money wise and all that, and just our rebuilding and retooling of the roster. But yeah, no matter how he plays, I mean, it's tough to deal with what he's dealt with in Denver. But again, it's. Everyone, I think it's even in Russ's best interest to move on and just, you know, go elsewhere and then go to Broncos to start fresh with the quarterback. I, I know I mentioned a lot in one of our episodes me and Jordan did about Russell Wilson and, you know, his landing spots or whatever. I still stand strong. You know, I still firmly believe that nobody will trade for him. I just don't see it happening at all. But a landing spot in terms of like if, if he does, when he does get cut, the commander, someone mentioned to me the commanders. I, Sam Howell's looking not 
good. But if any team might actually go after Russ, I think it might be the the Commanders. And it's very, it's just so weird. Like I've the last few days, I've thought about like Russ just being a backup in this league, and it's very hard to imagine that. Like it, it seems so weird. Like I almost like more imagine him just retiring after the Broncos rather than just being a backup. I don't, I don't know. It just seems so weird. Like uh, you know, a figure like Russell Wilson being a backup. That I, I could see him doing it, but honestly, I think the Commanders might take a flyer on him because remember they had significant interest in training for him before the Broncos did and they were consistently making very strong pushes for him so uh either either Washington and then like a five percent chance that the Atlanta Falcons could go for him but I I don't see that happening honestly I don't even see the commanders happening I maybe but like it's really hard to picture what happens with Russ next and I do have to say Russ the person absolute amazing amazing guy what he does for the community is unmatched his work ethic is unmatched I just think his time has come man and I I I hate to see it uh you know hate to see it and and say it um but I don't know and it's not even today that that convinced me that I mean he's 20 of 29 that's like nearly 70 percent or something like that 68 69 and he he played pretty it looks pretty you know efficient and accurate but there was like a third and eight to Adam Trotman just overthrown some other passes way off and he just doesn't look like the same Russell Wilson like you can't you can't you know elevate your roster like he um you know once you know sometimes was able to do with you know those horrible Seattle offensive lines so um that's just kind of where I'm at with Russ. And the last thing I want to bring up on today's episode, one player I was a little bit disappointed by, and I'm kind of noticing this as a trend, is Al Singleton's tackling. For whatever reason, this guy, it feels like for every like two times that he's pursuing a tackle, he misses at least one. Like I, I don't understand. I, you know, I would like to see the, the amount of missed tackles he's had, um, but I, I don't know what it is with him recently. I've I've noticed that and. I can, you know, we can sit here and be like, yeah, the whole defense is that, you know, just as bad as him at tackling. But are we paying those guys three years, 18 million? No. And we're paying, you know, Alex Singleton, our high, you know, he's our highest paid linebacker for a reason. And there's just some plays where I know it's it's the least of our concerns and the season's, you know, long gone. But he's been someone I've been a little bit uh, disappointed by in terms of just tackling. I know he's been leading our team in tackles, but um I would definitely like to get a better look at Drew Sanders the rest of the season. Uh, he definitely hasn't been, you know, having the, the greatest games and the greatest start to his career. But um, I think with the season uh, and the playoff hopes gone, I think it's best to, you know, trade Josie Jewell and get a better look at uh, Drew Sanders in the starting role. Yeah, I'm glad you brought it up. I mean, today I saw he missed a big tackle. I think it was it on third down where he missed it on A.J. Dillon. Yeah. Was it third down? I can't remember what down it was, but I know it was like a, it turned into a big play. Yeah, I, I think a lot of it has to do with just the way just the way you practice because this was not an issue last year. And when you go into the season and you don't practice tackling, whatever you're not doing right, and your team goes out there and they, they had, what, like 20, 12 missed tackles against the Dolphins in that horrific game, like, and they're starting off the season just bad tackling. It's some guys, that doesn't leave. Alex Singleton left Philly for a reason. They, there's a reason why they didn't bring him back. And that had a lot to do with tackling in the open field on receivers and tight ends. I'm not questioning his tackling when it comes to shooting the gaps in the run game. But when you're dropping him back in coverage and he has to go make that tackle alone, he's just not yeah. He's not that. And that's, that's the case for a lot of linebackers in today's game. But it just stands out more because this defense is just a recurring thing. But, I, like, I, I don't really know if that's it, – it's an, it, it can be an issue, like a really bad issue, but I don't know how – I don't know if that's the biggest thing, but I'm glad you brought that up though, because I don't think nobody else noticed it. That was a good one. I didn't I didn't think nobody else noticed it, but yeah, Alex, 
I'm I'm on board. I I I think Drew Sanders needs to he needs to get more playing time. I don't I don't know what Van Joseph's problem is in playing rookies. Like you get Riley Moss is a healthy scratch for what? Like at this point, why did you draft a linebacker in the corner? Why? Like like for for what? Like what's the point of trading up to draft Riley Moss if he's gonna be a healthy scratch? Like what? So like that makes no sense to me. Like you will, and I'm not saying Jaquan McMillan and Fabian Moreau are bad players, but you draft a corner in the third round for a reason to play. To come in and play. When you drop the guy first, second, third round, especially at corner, they're supposed to come in and play start at least at the bare minimum. And he's a healthy scratcher playing special teams. Like, what is that? Like, that makes absolute no sense. Drew Sanders gets no reps. He gets zero reps on the defense side of the ball. And you drafted him, what round was it, the third round, right? Yeah, third. third he failed to you. Dude was a top uh, first-round pick grade, falls to you in the third-round pick. He gets no snaps. Makes absolute zero sense to me whatsoever. And I don't want to – it's not Sean. It's, it's Vance. And I'm not – the defense has gotten better. Why not play your rookies? Like, wh what are you losing from that? Like, if they mess up, then that's how you know they're legit or not. Stop waiting the season because next season they're going to play, and then we're going to find out if they're really good or bad going into next season. So at this point, we just wasted a fucking year. Just just yeah. wasted it. Like, it makes zero sense to me. I, I don't get why Drew Sanders is just – he's just on the sideline. Like, at that point, he might as well be a healthy scratch. What is he playing for? Bring up Blue Joe Humphrey again, and and and, and uh, just make help Juice Sanders healthy scratch. It makes no fucking sense whatsoever. It's stupid. Like what? Draft yeah. the guy in the third round, and you're gonna sit there. You you trade up for a corner. You trade up for him, and people are like, man, that's kind of a questionable move. And you're like, well, Riley's not gonna go today. I I mean, if we bring up Blue Jordan because we. Uh, had this guy as a healthy and active, I mean, maybe a little Jordan gets more targets than Mar Marvin Mims. So, I mean, he might help out the offense at one point. But, uh, yeah, Riley Moss being a healthy scratch was ridiculous. I, I even tweeted it out before the game. It's, <laughs> it's it's comical. We we traded up to get Riley Moss as well and uh, don't even play him. Uh, we rave about the kid during the offseason and we don't play him. And same thing goes for Drew Sanders. So, uh it's like uh, it's like this organization doesn't know how to utilize players correctly. Like, and if they could make up the excuse, well, he's just not better than Jaquan McMillan. Well, how about put him on the field and let's actually see first, and then instead of, I mean, he's a you traded up for him, right? Like, I like a healthy scratch is crazy. If Tremont Smith can play, if he's active and you're gonna give him some reps on special teams, fuck that, give it to Riley Moss, cause like what? Cause say if somebody goes down, Lord have Lord, I hope this never happens. But say somebody goes down and they put Jamal Smith in that corner, how does it gonna look then? Clamps. Come on, bro. Let's get serious. <laughs> I think they literally, I think they literally gave up a future third to also get Riley Moss. Yes, yeah, they did. This year's third. It's fucking stupid. Insane. Insane. Like you, you don't, you don't trade that much draft capital, especially the Seahawks. Um, and then you just don't play him at all. Like I'm personally not on the board of throwing him into the fire and starting him. I think he should be sprinkled in, but dude, like make him a healthy scratch. He's healthy. Like at least play him on special teams at the very bare minimum. But I mean, I, I the way they underutilize these rookies is ridiculous. I mean, all of our running backs, each of our running backs today had more targets than freaking Marvin Mims Jr. One of the most explosive players in football statistically. Nate Atkins had the same amount of targets as Marvin Mims Jr. Our backup fullback and our fourth string tight end. What? What? Like, 
I, I th- we're one in we're one in five at that point. Why are we underutilizing our damn rookies? We drafted my bad. We drafted Riley, uh, Riley Moss in the third round. So we yeah, we we traded. I think our fourth round pick in the future third. So I, I want to get this straight. George Payton and Van Joseph because I know I know damn well Sean Payton didn't make that call to trade for no corner. Then I I know I know he didn't say let's trade up and draft the cornerback. I ain't no way. So Van Joseph and George Payton, good shit, good shit. Because now like we like we wasted a whole rookie year development. We all that waiting for him to come back while he was healthy. Like, for what? What's the point of keeping keeping us updated on, on whether he gonna play this week or not? If he's gonna be a healthy scratch. No injury listed, he's just not playing. A th- guy you drafted in the third round, a healthy scratch, a rookie, not a lineman, not a defense lineman, not a kicker, not a, a cornerback. And your 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 slot cornerback is out for the season, but nah, let's not plan. Safety versatility, by the way, safety like, versatility. My God, man, it's just like stuff like that, and I, I just don't get why that I don't get why he just doesn't want to play rookies. Like, dude, we have the worst one of the worst ranked defenses in the league. Like, you don't think? Oh, maybe let's see what our third round pick can bring. That's going to be it for today's episode. Hope you guys enjoyed it. If you guys are listening on YouTube, please hit the like button, subscribe, help us get to 2,000 subscribers. All that is greatly appreciated. Please let us know down below um, what you guys thought about today's episode uh, and what you guys want to see in future episodes. Um, we kind of got a little bit of an answer from you guys on our uh, for our game previews on my Instagram story, and you guys said you guys want us to continue with the game previews every week. So we will be bringing you that, but we'll also be going over different topics during those episodes. And the closest score prediction from our last episode on our uh, game preview, uh, the closest one goes to uh, Friar Phillip. Shout out to you, man. Uh, make sure you guys go uh, follow him on Instagram as well. Um, you know, go ahead and, uh, you know, DM me on Instagram. I'll give you a shout out over there on my story and everything. Um, and all my socials. Uh, shout out to Phillip, man. He guessed 17 to 16 that the Broncos would win. A lot of you guys are picking the Packers, including all three of us. We picked the Packers. Yeah. So he uh, he predicted 17 to 16 Broncos. Uh, he was just literally a few points off uh, for both teams. So uh, shout out to Phillip. But with that being said, I'm your host, Amir Farrow, with my co-host, J-Mac and Jordan. Until the next episode, peace out, everybody.